Hey, it's Andy. Welcome or welcome back to the Woodstock City Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to download the Woodstock City Church app where you can access all of our recent message content as well as find out about what's going on around Woodstock City Church. And the app is the easiest way to share this content with a friend. But most importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Thank you so much. Gavin told you to do that, didn't he? I'll take it. I receive it. Thank you so much. And good morning, everybody. I'm so happy to be with you at the, you know, here this morning at the very beginning as we're launching into this new series. And I know you may not be as familiar with me, so I thought it might be fun to kind of get acquainted through just asking a question this morning. And so here it is. I'm curious to know, how many of you grew up in homes where you played cards. Any, anybody have family game night around here? Yeah, we did too. And we played them all from the time they were little. Candyland, Life, Monopoly, Sorry, Trouble, all of those. And then as the kids got older, we graduated into like Mario Kart, Mario World. Anybody play those games? Y'all familiar with that one? Yeah, Yoshi was my character. It was a non-negotiable for me. And all along the way, we were playing card games with our kids. Go Fish, Crazy Eight, Old Maid. Are you guys familiar with those? And we eventually graduated into the land of Uno. And we loved playing all the different variations of those games. It was so much fun. And here's the thing. You learn something, don't you, when you play, when you have game night with your family. You learn something about your kids. And here's what I learned about my sweet little angels, my two little mm, pumpkins, right? I learned that they got their father's wildly competitive, out of control DNA. That's what they got in them for sure. I mean, my approach to game night was more like, hey, you know, I thought we'd just play a few games, have a few laughs, you know, bond, make some memories together. Their approach boiled down to two words and two words only, utter annihilation. I mean, ooh, completely, right? It was scary. And see, by nature, I'm not a very competitive person. I like peace. I like harmony. I like everybody to get along. And you know what that makes me? It makes me the bleeding fish in a pool filled with piranhas. Ugh. And not only was I, am I not competitive, I, was ter- I am terrible at cards. Not like I got better. I'm terrible at cards. I don't do strategy. If there's more than two rules, I just kind of lose interest in that. You know, I don't really care. And so nobody really wants to be mom's partner, you know, because the odds are never in the favor of the one who's linked up with mom. That's just the way it goes. And what's worse for them, not for me, is I didn't really care. I didn't care that they were going crazy. I didn't care that I was driving them nuts because I just didn't care. I was there for the fun. I was there to have a good time. Now, being bad at cards and losing more than you win is no big deal when it's a card game, right? Because when the dealing's done, you can always deal another hand. You can always get another shot at getting good cards. You're always gonna have another game night, you know? So not a big deal. But unfortunately, life can seem like a card game, can't it? I mean, there is a reason that we all know the saying that you gotta play the hand you're dealt, right? Or if you've been around a long time, like some of us have, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, right? I've lost you now to the lyrics of that song, and you're all mentally singing it in your head. So come back to me, come back. So in a game of cards, 
The cards are shuffled and dealt, and you get them, and you turn them over, and it's like, okay, you get what you get, right? You make the most of it, no big deal. Now, in some games, maybe you can trade a card in, get a couple back, or you can discard or whatever, but the reality is you get what you get. You got to play the hand you're dealt. And again, life can be that way. Now think about it with me. We're all born with personalities and temperament. We're born with ethnicity and birth order, right? And all of those things can be like individual cards that we get. And then as we go, we're picking up other cards along the way and we're learning things about ourselves, right? And then here we are this morning at Woodstock City Church holding all these cards in our hand, whether we like them or not. And so I wanna ask you this morning, what cards are you holding? And while you're thinking about that, let me tell you about a few cards that I received in my lifetime. So one of the first cards I remember or I was aware of getting in my life was this one, the middle child card. Do we have any middle kids here today? Yeah, you don't even have to raise your hands. You are used to no one seeing you anyway, right? Because the middle child card is like the two of clubs, isn't it? It's forgettable. It doesn't really help you. You kind of wish you didn't have it around, right? Because you're not the exciting, oh, we've never had one of these before, trailblazing firstborns, are you? You are also not the darling, ooh, isn't everything they do so, so stinking cute because they're the last one, baby. You are the invisible middle. And I can remember thinking, I'd rather have either one of their cards. I'd rather be a bookend than the invisible middle. Now, another couple cards that I remember getting are the result of things that my parents said about me. And, and I don't know, you know, my parents meant well. But you know how it is when you're little and your parents are introducing you, or maybe you're in the room and you're a parent yourself and you've got multiple kids and you just are like, you have this way of introducing them. There's just a spiel. You don't think about it anymore, you know? And so this is how it went in my family. And are you guys seeing my picture up there? Oh, I just want to apologize in advance. That's a real, that's circa 1970 something. So here's how it went in my family. Well, this is Ken. He is our firstborn, and Ken is so smart. That kid is in all advanced classes. He is just brilliant. Oh, my goodness. And boy, he is super creative. He's got all kinds of things going up here, the way he sees the world and the things that he comes up with. He's wildly creative, just ooh, amazing. And he's witty. He's so funny, probably because he's so smart. He has a superior you know, ability to do really great wit, and he's a brilliant artist. That kid can draw anything. Oh, and I can see you've already noticed. Yes, that's our last born. That's our baby. Her name is Becca. And isn't she adorable? Oh, my goodness. And she is so fun to have around. She's just easygoing. She does well with anybody. She is the center of attention. Everybody just loves her. And oh, did I tell you? She's a talented dancer. She's amazing. Yeah, we have a brilliant artist and a dancer in our family. What? Oh, yeah, yeah, we do have one more kid. I forgot about that, right? Oh, yeah, here she is. She's our, she's our middle child. This is Elaine. This is Elaine. And Elaine is, um, uh, what is Elaine? Oh, she is level-headed. That girl has got a level head on her shoulder. She is so level-headed. And, oh, another thing about Elaine, she's responsible. She is a girl that you can count on to get things done she is a good and obedient kid. She is our rule follower, right? You can just count on her. That was me. 
But if you're me standing there listening to the introduction, you know what you heard, no matter what your parents said was, you are boring. You're not a dancer, an artist, you're not any of those great things, you are just boring. And I can remember wishing. I could have had either one of those cards. Again, I had a major case of card envy. I would have given anything to have been able to do a card swap. Now, I realize that you did not come here this morning to be a part of my personal therapy session, much as I would benefit and in love having it, I'm sure I'd be better off for it. So let's talk about your cards for just a moment because by now you probably have a few in mind just from the examples I've given. So why don't we take just a few seconds and tell someone next to you one of the cards that you know you've been dealt. And this is an all skate, so I want everybody to participate. Hint, hint, introverts. I want you to actually use words and tell that to someone next to you, okay? Go. All right, all right, all right. All right, you guys are good. Extroverts, you're telling them 10 cards, aren't you? You're giving cards to other people if you want to. I love the extroverts in the room. But introverts, I wanna thank you for playing. This is great participation. Everybody gets a gold star. So let me tell you why we're talking about this today. And let me tell you why it's so important for us to think about. Because the cards in your hand, in some way, define who you are. In some way, the cards in your hand answer the question, who are you? Or at least we think it does, right? Now the ways we define ourselves are based on several different things. The first area that, that it tends to be is falls under the area of personality and temperament. These are the things that are kind of hardwired, you know, that you come into the world with. They're baked into the DNA of who you are. You were born that way, you'll probably die that way, right? And so if you're curious, maybe you don't know a lot about temperament, just Google um, Enneagram, Myers-Briggs, the disc, any of those will give you some information on temperament. Now the second area that we tend to kind of pull or define ourselves by is the area of relationships. And most, um, any reputable place will tell you that the biggest um, relationships that help sort of shape and define who you are are your family of origin, the people that you were born with and kind of grew up and spent some of your formative years with. But it certainly isn't limited to that, right? You have extended family, you have teachers, mentors, friends, coaches, significant others. All of those help shape and speak into kind of the ways we're learning how to define ourselves. The next category is roles, and this is what you do, right? And these are roles, whether it's in your home, whether it's in your work or whether it's within your community. And that can be a lot of different things, right? So for example, you might be a doctor or you might be a small business owner. You could be a caregiver in your home, but you could also be a caregiver for your job. You could be president of the PTA and if you are, God bless you for that. <laughs> or maybe you volunteer on your city council. All of those kind of things, again, are the roles that we play within the scope of who we are and what we do in life. And then the last category is achievements. And these are the things that you've accomplished within your life. But it's sort of twofold because not only is it the positive things, but it also includes the things that maybe you attempted and weren't so successful at. Let me give you an example. So positive side, achievements, things you were successful in. 
We just recently had a lot of kids graduate, so maybe you were the valedictorian. You were the smart person that got to give the speech at the end of the year to everybody else. That's a great thing. Or maybe you are a published author, right? That's pretty cool. Maybe you're in the room today and you're a cancer survivor, and that's a pretty significant accomplishment. So on the flip side of that, you may be in the room today and you started college, but you just didn't seem to be able to finish it. And it was one of those things that set the back of your mind and thought, man, what could have been different? Maybe I should have, what if I had finished college? What if I just would have done that? It's just not something you finished. Or maybe you're an addict. You've been a lifelong addict. It's just been something you haven't quite been able to overcome. And you're stumbling over that addiction throughout the course of your life. Or maybe you're here this morning and your kids are grown and you're older and you're reflecting back and thinking over the years that your kids were home and you were thinking to yourself, hmm, you know what? I was kind of a bad parent. You don't get a do-over on that. I was kind of a bad parent. I wasn't really there for them. So those are kind of our areas. Now, here's the problem. With the exception of our temperaments, those other things can and do change throughout the course of our lives. It's like we keep getting cards added to the mix, right? Or maybe at times swapped and, and we have no say over it, right? They're just coming in, coming in as all these different things changes. And that can make answering the question, who are you challenging? Because it's not static. But this question, who are you? is so important for us to be able to answer because it forms what we call our identity. Now, identity is kind of a buzzword in our culture right now, and you'll hear a lot of different people using it to represent a lot of different things, but basically identity is the way we define ourselves based on what we believe about who we are and our worth. Our identity is the way you and I answer the question, who are you. And so our identity can be kind of a fragile, kind of a delicate thing, can't it? Because the thing you're basing your worth on is always changing. I mean, think about it, right? You're going through life having experiences, different ones. It's life is not staying the same. You're having good and bad experiences. Relationships are coming and going. Your roles are changing throughout the, your life. You're having some things, you're having wins and losses all along the way. And sometimes it's really good, right? Like for example, you finally land that job or that promotion, right? I mean, it is like the job. It is the thing you've been working for for a long time. It represents the title, the salary, the office. And you think to yourself, Whew, now I have achieved success. Now I am successful. I have power. I am respectable. Or maybe you're in the room and you got married. And marriage is so fun, isn't it? And you think to yourself, oh, wow, now I'm chosen. Somebody chose me. I am special. Or in the words of Jerry Maguire, now I'm complete. You have completed me, right? Or maybe you've had a child. And you think to yourself, ah, oh, now, now my life has meaning and value. Now I'm somebody because I'm a mom or I'm a dad and I'm gonna be the very best parent ever. 
But then what happens when you lose that job? You lose that title. You lose that salary. What happens when your spouse walks away? Oh yeah, I know I said I do, but now I don't anymore. I know I chose you then, but now I've chosen someone else and it's not you. What happens when you lose that child? And again, that's one of the problems with identity, right? Because all of these things are constantly changing. They're informing and influencing what we think about who we are and how we see ourselves, right? The problem is that it's hard to know who you are if who you are is always changing, if it's always in flux, if it's always circumstantial. And that can be problematic because few things are more powerful than what we believe about who we are because it drives our thoughts, our emotions, and our behaviors. And it affects the way we experience life and the way other people experience us. Now, an illustration may be helpful, so I'd like to you know, give you an example from my own hand in life. When I was 12 years old, I was given the abuse card. This was a powerful card that had a serious hold on my life. I believed that I was worthless, that I held no value. I believed that I was unlovable. I believed that I was broken beyond repair. My thoughts were constantly around doing whatever I had to do to protect myself from other people seeing how broken I was. Because you have to remember, I had other cards in my hand, right? I had other cards that said, I'm a good kid. I'm, I'm the one that makes good choices. I am the one that has her stuff together. And my emotions centered primarily around three things. Fear of everything, guilt over everything, and shame. And shame was another powerful card. My behaviors, there were many weird behaviors. Let me tell you, I was dysfunctional. But just to give you two behaviors, I developed eating disorders because I was trying so hard to exercise some semblance of a control over a life that was chaotic. And since I understood going through my teen years that having a healthy, functional relationship with a male was going to be relatively an, impo an impossible thing for me to do, I decided, you know what? All men are gonna have to go. I'm just gonna have to write you all off. The whole gender went off the table. I experienced life as being an unsafe place to be. And so I was very cautious never to expose a weakness, never to be vulnerable. And other people's experience of me, well, they experienced a girl who was friendly enough, but you could only get so close to me. You could only go so deep, because I was pretty guarded. Abuse was a card I wish I had never gotten, and it had a tremendous hold over my life. And maybe you're here this morning and you can relate. Maybe you got the addiction card and you felt like a failure your entire life. You believe it's hopeless. 
You think everybody sees you as a hopeless case. You feel desperate, you feel angry, you feel any number of emotions, but it's a powerful card. Or maybe you're here this morning and you got the broken family card. This is not your fault. You kind of were born into it, right? Or maybe grew up and then they divorced. And you're scared of relationships because you're afraid it's gonna turn out to be like mom and dad. Or you feel unstable because there's not any one place that you dwell where you get to have both parents in your home. It's a powerful card to grow up with. Maybe you got the never enough card and he left you or she left you because you were never enough. And it's always framed in the form of why can't you be more fill in the blank? Or you got the unloved card. When you who should have been able to expect love from certain people in your life and they did not give it to you because they did not deem you worthy of love, you are unloved. So now you may be thinking to yourself, well, this is awesome, Elaine. Thank you so much for that this morning. You have raised a lot of cards I didn't even wanna think about this morning and I'm just wondering, what am I supposed to do with it? You've led me to this point. You told me I can't give them back. What do I do? Well, fortunately for all of us, there's this guy named Paul. Now, Paul lived a long, long time ago. I don't even know if there were card games when Paul lived, but let me tell you what Paul knew. Paul had a masterful understanding of what to do with the cards we've been dealt because Paul, he was a guy that had a lot of cards and some of them were good, really good. He was ambitious. Paul was brilliant. He was a leader. He was relentless when he went after something. But some of them, not so good, right? Paul was a persecutor of Christians and a murderer of Christians. Not too great, don't want necessarily those cards in your hand. But then Paul has this interaction with Jesus and it changes his life forever. And he goes from murderer to missionary, traveling to all kinds of different places and telling people about Jesus and inviting them, hey, follow Jesus with me. And people start doing that and they form these groups that become churches, right? And Paul stays with them for just a little while to get them going and then he's off to the next place. And these churches that are left behind, they start having issues, right? This is hard doing life with other people, right? I don't know, I don't like everybody, it's kind of hard. And so they write Paul and say, Paul, we're struggling, we're having a hard time. Could you come back, could you resolve some of this for us? Could you clarify a few points, please? And Paul always responded, and if he could come in person, he would, but oftentimes he would write letters. And this morning, we're going to look at one of the letters he wrote to a group of people in a place called Corinth in a book we call Corinthians. So before we dive into the actual verse, I'd love to tell you just a little bit about the culture at Corinth, because we always think these ancient Bible cities, I don't know, were they anything like us? Well, the culture there was they had a lot of people, a lot of people in one place, they had a lot of money. And they liked to spend their money. And they valued things like power, right? Strength, status meant a lot to them. They valued things like beauty, the beautiful people, and they value things like knowledge, education. Like I said, they were materialistic and they liked to have their stuff and they collected their stuff. They were also a pleasure-seeking culture. And so they would, do, they would go after whatever pleased them. And morality, not so much an issue, you know? In fact, morality was subjective depending on the pursuit of the moment. So that's the culture. I don't know if it sounds like any place you've ever been or lived, but you know, 
maybe you can see some similarities. They were a very self-centric culture. And the people Paul was writing, this little group of people, well, they were new to following Christ. They didn't grow up in a Christian home. They didn't have older generations of Christians in their culture to help them figure this out. They were the Christian culture, and they were a hot mess. And you know what else they had? They had a lot of cards in their hands that they did not know what to do with. Now, Paul's relationship with Jesus gave him an understanding of his, of his identity that provided him stability, security, durability, and resiliency that enabled him to weather through a lot of crazy, challenging circumstances and relationships. He had an identity that wasn't fragile in any way whatsoever. And he wanted the people in Corinth to have the same understanding in Christ that, that he had. And my guess is this morning, today, he wants you and I to have that same understanding as well. So let's look for a minute at what Paul wrote. And it's just one sentence. I went easy on you guys today. It's just one sentence, but there's a lot there. All right, so let's read. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... So let's hit the pause button for just a minute because I want you to know what Paul is saying here. Paul is saying that not everyone is in Christ because here's what Paul believed. Paul believed that we are born in sin. We come into the world that way and sin separates us from God. But when we begin to follow Christ, when we put our faith in him, something happens and it's wonderful. God places us in Christ And when God places us in Christ, something happens, not just to our eternity, although that is true, but something happens to our identity. All right, so unpause for just a minute. So now we got the first little phrase of that. So here's the rest of it. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. So what's Paul mean now? What's he saying Well, what he's saying is that something radical has just taken place within you. What Paul is saying is that the old self, the old you that was separated from God because of sin is gone, completely gone. Christ dealt with that on the cross and now you really are a new creation. And so you're thinking to yourself, oh, a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. That must mean, Elaine, that All my old crappy cards, I get to get rid of. That's super awesome. And I get all new shiny, sparkly, cool cards and life's gonna be good. Um, Hold on just a second here. That's not exactly what it means. You don't lose your cards. Paul didn't write the old cards have gone, new cards are here. He didn't write that. You realize that every card you hold in your hand right now, God has a plan for the good ones that you like, as well as the ones that you wish you didn't have. God has a plan for, him, for them. And his plans are always good and better than any other ones that we could imagine or accomplish on our own. What Paul understood and what Paul wants us to understand this morning is this. Being in Christ, it means we have a new way to view and understand our cards not a replacement of it, a new way to view them, 
a new way to use them. You're a new creation. All things are new now. And maybe an illustration here would be helpful. So I already told you that you gotta play the hand you're dealt, right? We can't really give our cards back, so here you are. You've got, you've got your, your hand of cards and, and you want to maximize the good ones, right? And go after those and keep adding those. You're hoping those get added to the thing and you wanna minimize or maybe you know, kinda hide the bad ones, right? And, and we're going through life and we keep getting cards added to it and you know, we're like, oh my goodness, didn't see that one coming. And then there's a switch of roles and you've gotta change that and pick up some new ones and you just keep adding to it. And, and there's just a lot of cards that we can end up with in life and, and, and our identity is just rising and falling with the changing of every card. There's just so many here, it can be impossible to keep up with all these cards. And it can be distracting, right? I mean, they are falling, you know, you're trying to, to hold on to cards, but they're getting this and they're getting lost and dropping off the table and you're like, oh my gosh, I gotta get a few more here. And, and some of them get hidden behind the others and you don't know how to find them, you can't organize them, right? It is a mess trying to keep up with these. Can't seem to organize at all. It makes playing the game really difficult, doesn't it? It's distracting, you can't focus. But here's, and here's the bad news. You gotta keep your cards. But the really great news is that God gives you something better, something way better. Because God never intended for you to carry all these cards and hold them in your hand throughout the course of your life. It's never his plan for you. But what God does do, and I think this is what God was getting at, what Paul was getting at, is that God doesn't give us new cards to replace the old ones. And being in Christ, it's not, it's not some other card, just another card in your deck, you know, that is sort of like your ace in the hole. That's not the case. That's not what he's talking about there. God gives us something better. He gives us a card holder. He gives us a card holder. And now all those cards that you were carrying, all those cards that were powerful, all those cards that had a hold on you for so many years, you get to put them in Christ. God never intended for you to carry all those cards. See, being in Christ, it means you have a new way to hold your cards so that your cards, your very many cards, no longer have a hold on you. And now, being outspoken, a part of your temperament, right? Some people are in here born outspoken, you're just always speaking out, you got a thought about everything, sharing an opinion, and people are like, man, I wish you weren't so outspoken. Now, being outspoken, rather than carrying that yourself, when you put it in Christ, God says, I love that. That's part of the way I wired you, and I plan to use that for good. It's okay, put it in Christ. Or maybe you're out there today, you're the cancer survivor, God says, awesome, come here, put that in Christ. I'm gonna use that, I'm gonna leverage that for good in your life and in the lives of others. And that abuse card, the card I got, when I finally put it in Christ, he held that card for so many years and he has used it for good in so many ways I can't even comprehend or imagine. And so let me be really clear about something here too because I think this is important to know. When I just said that God used it for good, I am not in any way saying that abuse was good. I'm not saying that was a good card. I don't think it was and I don't think God thinks it was either. But here's what I know. The power 
that this card had over my life for so many years, you know what I learned when I put it in Christ? Is the power of that card was not greater than God's power to redeem it and to leverage it and to do redemptive things with it. That card no longer has the right to define me. But God says, put it in Christ because, yeah, you're right. It doesn't get to define you. You're in Christ. But what I will use it for is to refine you and to perfect you, to make you more like Jesus and to glorify me. Now, the very cards you have in your hands that you viewed as limitations and liabilities becomes potential and possibilities in Christ. You are not limited now because you don't have to carry. The burden is gone. You get to place it in Christ. Addiction goes in Christ. Broken family goes in Christ. Worthless in Christ. He's gonna use them all. You don't have to figure out how. and You don't have to figure out when. You don't have to compare cards with anybody else. You are free from card envy. Because who you are, your identity is in Christ. And it's secure in him, and it's stable in him, and it's more than sufficient in him. Now, You might be here today and you're not a Jesus follower. In fact, this may be the first time you're hearing anything even like this. It's like hitting you fresh and new and you're like, what? That's okay. But know this, you still have an identity and it's fragile and it will rise and fall. and And here's the thing, you may not admit that, but you felt it at some point along the way. At some point you've experienced it not being enough And so in the spirit of Dr. Phil, let me ask you this. How's it working for you carrying all those cards on your own? Wouldn't you love the chance to be rid of that burden? What could be different? What could be better if you let God have all your cards? And maybe you're here today and you are a Jesus follower. You really are a new creation. Who you are is in Christ and he holds every single card. The cards you like, the cards you don't like, the cards you're ashamed of, the cards that have power over you, it's in Christ. Cards you may be saying, pretty, pretty please, oh God, could you give me another card? In fact, you may be in the room and you may be so bold as to say, you know what, God, I'm not sure I like the way you're working my card right now with it being you. I think I'll just take it back and I'll try to work it on my own. But don't do that. Don't waste your time on that. God knows what to do with your cards, every single one of them. And what he wants to do is to leverage them for good in your life and in the lives of others. So if I may ask you one more time, who are you? What cards are you holding? What cards do you wish you weren't holding? What cards are you taking out of God's hands? What are you struggling with putting back in Christ? If I could tell you one thing today to remember for those of us who struggle to let our cards be in Christ, it's this. Your cards 
in Christ's hands are infinitely better than your cards in your hands. I can tell you from personal experience that it wasn't until I gave God every one of my cards that I got to experience what it truly means to be a new creation. Apart from my cards being in Christ, my identity would be a hot mess. And imagine having such security and confidence of being in Christ and of knowing that every single card just goes right to being in Christ. It gets to bypass you. You don't have to carry that anymore. And imagine that giving you such security that you can continue to love yourself well, love others well, and love God with all your heart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, how I thank you for being here with us today and being so kind and gracious as to provide a way for us to give you our cards and to place them in Christ. And Father, I pray for anyone here that's struggling somewhere in the equation and all of this that we've said today, that you will meet them right where they're at in kindness and in goodness. And Father, that they would be willing to take the step of faith to just trust you with their cards. We love you and we bless you. And we ask all this in the great name of Jesus Christ, amen.